You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I know he's a newcomer to the team, and he comes with a little bit of hype because of his last name. And what are they f- going to do, make it to four Grey Cups and lose them all? <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Every week, Travis Cura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it ends! And it's over! Ready, set, hook! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Thai. Thanks for clicking play on whatever platform you felt appropriate. Apparently it's what the kids do, so I think we're on YouTube now. Ty, how you feeling? I'm not in the hospital, so I mean, pretty good. Okay, new, new rules. No mess ups. I, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, so whenever you so criticize changed. somebody that I don't think is appropriate, it's uh, a lot uh, tougher for me to edit out. So the fact that you know means, that is probably yeah. my biggest mistake of the show so far. <laughs> probably, because now you've lost a lot of B-sides. <laughs> Be real. Uh, also means a lot more sober podcasting. <laughs> Hey, that is a good thing. I, I still haven't dug into the archives to find the lost two and out episode. I will burn your condo down. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll start the show by letting you know that the show's taking a we'll call it a modified break. Uh over the next couple of weeks, not going to be uh releasing new episodes that are centered around the games. Um, to be fully transparent, I was supposed to go in for back surgery this week. So earlier this month, I had conversations with Commissioner Ambrosi, Glenn Suter, and Gary Stern. While I was recovering for the first couple of weeks, I was going to release these episodes. Well, as you know, with the healthcare system, that procedure's been delayed. So <laughs> what we're going to do is release those episodes anyway. I'm going to use these next two weeks to get my head right, my body as right as I possibly can, and then Labor Day, come back uh, more mediocre than ever. That's my plan. <laughs> How can you be more mediocre? Don't, like, don't read no more, into no it. no less. Don't read into it. See, this is the kind of stuff I can't edit out now. Making me look stupid. (laughs) So here's the plan. Thursday's episode will be my chat with Randy Ambrosi. Next Monday, I'll talk to Glenn Suter. He's going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in the media wing. So we're kind of focused on his broadcasting a part of his career surrounding the CFL is a really fun chat. And then also uh, talking to Gary Stern. You did hear a bit of it. He guaranteed a win this past weekend over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And and he was right. It paid off. <laughs> hey, broke clock is right twice a day. <laughs> uh, I have one question about the Suter interview. Okay. Did you ask about the hold? I didn't. I referenced it. Okay. But it, I, I, but that's good enough. I'll, it, I'll, I'll okay, allow. okay. If he does get a call into the player wing, I think he's got over fifty career interceptions. Mm-hmm. Great Cup champion. 
I, I think he might be a Hall of Famer. I think we'll have to get him back on and then yeah. go in depth on the hold. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Book Women, a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Metis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form they enjoy. Guests include Indigenous storytellers from diverse media mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out Podcast. Well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were on by this week, and there was no Thursday nighter. So it started in the nation's capital, where the Ottawa Red Blacks fell to the Edmonton Elks 30-12. to What an ugly game for Ottawa. If we just want to talk about Ottawa, look, man, uh, you can accuse me of being far too patient when it comes to me wanting to let a quarterback develop or have his chance to work through things a little bit. But I I don't know about Caleb Evans anymore. I think unless Paul Lapalise is more stubborn and more patient than I am, Nick Arbuckle has to be the guy in Ottawa going forward, doesn't he? I think so, but I don't know if that changes anything. Calgary didn't want him. Toronto didn't want him. Ottawa didn't want him. Edmonton didn't want him. Like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and for how long they waited Friday night to finally put him in the game, it seemed like a wasted opportunity. I think he probably was going to get the entire fourth quarter. But if you if you just look at the second half for the Elks, get huh. ready for this. Three straight possessions. <laughs> yep. Seven play, 69-yard touchdown drive. Nice. That ate three minutes and 52 seconds off the clock. And then they followed that up with a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Then they followed that off with a 15-play, 80-yard touchdown drive that ate over eight and a half minutes off the clock. So mm-hmm. ideally, if Otto is able to stop Edmonton a little bit sooner <laughs> and get them off the field a little bit earlier. Arbuckle probably gets into the game with more than six minutes left in the fourth quarter, but too little, too late. Those, then. those three drives took more than a quarter worth of the game. Yeah. I think they had the ball for 22 of 30 second half minutes. Like it was crazy. Edmonton just, they came out and they honestly looked like a team that belongs in the in the Western final or the Western semifinal. They they looked that good, but part of it is their their opponent. It mm-hmm. just the it, wind completely out of Ottawa sails. It it's it's Ottawa at home. I don't know what anybody else expected. Like yeah, the halftime score was ugly, but it was they were in the lead. You know, they they had done a couple things right. They got lucky. Not, I shouldn't say lucky, but they got the benefit of the call, the roughing the kicker call. It, it seemed to affect Lewis Ward after that, though, still. And then they come out in the second half flat. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I think in Ottawa, hockey season can't come fast enough because this Red Blacks team, honestly, like th- there is hope for the Senators this year. I don't know why or how people are still going to these games because they're respect to them so bad oh for sure like you are 
masochists. You are self-hating people. <laughs> and I love you for it. Because I, like, I get it. I totally get it. Like I go golfing five times a week, and I'm not getting any better. Just love so you're suffer. one of them. I love this, uh, one of us. W- was it I, just last summer when one of your clubs took a took a swim, like permanently? Yeah, just one. <laughs> and you, uh, like you, I am losing clubs at an alarming rate. You literally, and you're not. You weren't exaggerating. You said free clubs if anybody wants them. If Nick would have picked them up, they would have been gone. And you're still going. So, <laughs> why? We talk about hypertension and high blood pressure. You're bringing it on yourself. <laughs> 156 over 40, or no, 156 over 94 on Monday morning. High score? High score. Except and for playing a, Frogger, baby. 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. <laughs> We're falling apart. We're but, falling. No, but, but seriously, like you mentioned the, the town possession. <laughs> 10 minutes and 23 seconds for the Elks in the third. Wow. 12, 12.06 in the fourth. Ottawa had the ball for under three minutes in the fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> Look, Nick it's Arbuckle four, comes four in. Four first downs and one converted second. Nick Arbuckle had a worse completion percentage than Caleb Evans. Um, I, I, I don't know what Nick you want Arbuckle, to take like, We don't even know what he is anymore. Yeah. I don't know how much you can read into that. Like Caleb Evans, I mean, still 10 of 16, 62.5%. That's not, it's not great. But I mean, it's, it's manageable. You, you can still win football games with that. We've seen teams win football games with less. But he, he can make plays with his feet. He, he's mobile. We saw him break ankles on, on Friday night. By the time Nick Arwell comes in, you know what the game is. It's too late. Like, if they were going to make that change, I, I don't know. I don't even know if making it earlier makes a difference. I think they still lose this game anyway, but you're just kind of throwing to Wolves. And now if you're going to start him, or if you don't start him this week, what was the point? Yeah, and uh, making that trade. Hey, the, the, the big, most anticipated matchup of the season is uh, the Nick Arbuckle-led Ottawa Red Blacks going to Edmonton. <laughs> so Ottawa has won. I'm taking one- Ottawa. They've won one of their last 20 at home, but Edmonton hasn't won a home game in over a 1,000 days. So maybe this mm-hmm. is just the way it was meant to be. The road teams yeah. win. Yeah, it's road dogs. You mentioned Caleb Evans making play with his plays with his legs. And a couple of weeks ago when Ottawa played Calgary, it was an ugly game uh, by both offenses. Just altogether, it was terrible. And I thought if Caleb Evans was running – then he would be able to make things happen. And that's what we saw in the first half from Ottawa. Mm-hmm. He had a 21-yard touchdown right off the bat. Had the crowd in it. It looked like they were fired up and they were going to get off to a good game here uh, for the Red Blacks. And he has nine carries for 82 yards. He actually led the game in rushing. But a lot of times you want to see your quarterback at least attempt to make a read or two. And a lot of times it was not designed runs. It was just panic right off the bat and running. So he wasn't seeing the defense as, as well as you would have liked to him be seeing it. But when, when Chris Jones is rushing three and he's got five receivers getting covered by nine DBs, 
mm-hmm. that's why he was having success running, and that's also why he was taking off. So I, I don't know why they just didn't stick with that. It, but maybe not the most exciting thing in the world, but if it's going to work. Fans are coming anyway. Yeah. Start, like, if it's going to win you a football game, why are you deviating from it? What did you think of the play in the first half? Uh, Edmonton stopped on second down. Uh, they did end up kicking a 52-yard field goal, but there was a holding call that Paul Lapolis mm-hmm. declined. Do you take second and 16 out of field goal range or third and six just inside field goal range? Third and six. Make, I thought that was the right decision, too. Yeah. Um, you know, second and 16... They, they could get 10 yards. They, I mean, they, sure, they could, could get would've. 10, right? And, and then it's third and six anyway. Uh, they could also get 20 and yeah. a first down. Take that. Take the chance of it out. 52 yards, everything's got to go perfect. And yeah. that kick's going to come out lower. You got a better chance of blocking it. Like, it, there's just, yeah. I, I, you got to make them make that kick. You got to make them get the points. Like, Granted, you you stop them on second, you stop them on second and sixteen, and get a third and sixteen, you get the punt. But why give them that extra play? Yeah, and obviously this is when the game was still a game, and uh, it was close uh, late in the first half. That that was the turning point. The penalty aided drive. There was a roughing the passer and a pass interference. It helped Edmonton get on the board with their first major, and that was. That was just the end of it for Ottawa. Lewis Ward missing the two field goals in the first half and <laughs> the points left on the board. It was just the mm-hmm. end. I love that halftime interview with Ante Milanovic Litre. What's your game plan for the second half? Drive down the field and get a touchdown. Well, <laughs> they did that three times and destroyed and most of the second half. <laughs> uh, you talk about the points left, and I don't know if that how big of a difference that makes just with what the final score was. But momentum-wise, I think that's huge. It, it kills just. I know it's only offense. three, like it, but it's like what? You got what, something. What else? Let's build on it, right? Let's let's build on that. But you know, you keep getting stuck. You you keep walking away with nothing, and Rich, Richie Leone's punting the ball away. Your offense yeah. is like the defense is like oh, if we gotta go out there again. We got this again. Like it, it gets old in a hurry, and and when you're on you're on the field for. 90% of the second half. <laughs> like it's not going to go well. There was, uh, I guess, some slightly good news for Ottawa after the game. Last week, Devontae Deadman getting released by the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. 2021's most outstanding special teams player. Absolutely electric. Now, the, the return game is not an area where Ottawa has struggled this year. Terry Williams has filled in nicely. Now, he's mm-hmm. not... Hasn't been as electric as Devontae Deadman, but... Not many are. Not many are. I kind of wondered if Deadman would take a shot at another workout or two before the NFL season does get underway, but he will be back in Ottawa. They retained his rights before he went to the NFL. So, I mean, that's good news, and hopefully... Maybe they start getting him involved in the offense, too. Uh, it took a while for it to happen for Brandon Banks and Hamilton, but once it did, he became a threat on more than just, you know, on special teams plays. He was a threat every time Hamilton had the ball, and hopefully Ottawa can can do that, but I, I don't know. I don't know if, know if it makes a difference. I don't know if it puts them over the edge to 
to win six games. I mean, now that they've got other receivers like a Darvin Adams and a uh, Jalen Acklin to help out with that, like last year, Deadman was like the only guy. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully with other threats in the offense, I, I hope that Lapolis can can make that happen because I, I think it's clear he's not going anywhere until at least after the Grey Cup. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. The second half of the Friday night doubleheader, the BC Lions beating the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 28-10. to 10. We'll get to the bad news later. It started off with an 81-yard touchdown drive from Nathan Rourke, and that's the thing with the Lions. They have been working with long fields all season long, but it hasn't mattered. The receivers and Nathan Rourke has been able to move that ball. I will say this. The the Ryder defense was battling. And, I mean, especially – and I know they gave up 28 points, man. And I know they gave up 300 yards to Nathan Rourke in the first half. But – how, how long plays, were they on the 81 field? Yards, like, how how long were they on the field? Like I feel like if it was against Edmonton or anybody else, they would have had fifty in the first half. Because thirty one minutes, Fajardo threw the uh, two interceptions in the first half. One of them, to me, it appeared that uh, Duke Williams kind of gave up on on the ball. Then the other one, Fajardo's off the back foot, hit Falling as he down. throws. Yeah. Yeah, so he goes 8 for 13 for 41 yards. He gets pulled. In comes Mason Fine, 16 of 26, 210 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. The only touchdown for the Riders was from Mason Fine. Uh, (laughs) Cody Fajardo's time in Saskatchewan. Like, who do they start this coming Friday in Vancouver? I... But I, I don't know. Like, you know, you want to say it's Cody Fajardo because we've seen what he's been able to do. You know, two straight West finals. You know, in 2019, hit the crossbar. Like, one one play away from a great cup. But, and I don't know, this is not all entirely on Cody. No, I don't know. Th- 100%, it's O-line issues and play calling. Yep. And I have bitched about Jason Moss enough. I'm done. Because obviously it, he's not the problem if you are in that organization. But the O-line not giving Cody time. Cody's decision-making and his indifference. It's not indifference. It's like, you know, he when he decides to run, it's not soon enough. And by by the time, and then he has and the hesitation and the, and the back the, or the defensive the defense is able to get him from behind. No confidence. Like yeah. No confidence. It's just all starting to to pile on and it's the season's over, if you ask me. So and I don't I don't know. I think I think you have to go with fine unless Fajardo's your guy next year and the year and going forward. It's funny because the Edmonton game, he, he looked like a rejuvenated guy. He was mm-hmm. running and he was a threat with his legs. Hits. Yeah. Yeah. But look, I'm no doctor. But has Fajardo been the same since that injury at the end of 2019? Like, I'm not even talking about the knee, the oblique going into the... I don't know if that's still affecting him or not, but he has not been the same guy 
since yeah. then. In 2019, the, the Ryder offense was always a bit of a bit of a threat. You thought that they'd be able to. It had it had that 07 vibe. They'd be able to make things happen, but yeah. now it's like dreading them coming on the mm-hmm. field. The, the The first drive of the game for the Riders, Jamal Morrow had a nine yard carry. He had a thirteen yard carry, and then he gets the ball four times the rest of the game. I I said that the key to the game on Thursday's episode with uh, Janine from. Uh, Mouchoir, a Red Blacks podcast, that the key to the game would be for the Ryder offense to stay on the field by running the ball and converting on second down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that did not happen. Jason Moss did not get that memo. No. I don't know if he can hear you, though. <laughs> I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> so, just, I mean, credit to the Lions defense. They have to do their part, too. Oh, I got, like, Matthew Betts and they got guys that can get home. Yeah, and that secondary, they're going to give. Well, look who's look who's coaching that secondary. Yeah, Ryan they, Phillips, you know. Of course. Yeah. So if the riders going the forward, I, I don't know. Because now they're going to be without Duke Williams for two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin McInnes has a career game, six of nine, 111 oh, yards. Uh, He had a touchdown, so, I mean, he had a good game. But the rest, Schaefer Baker is kind of, they haven't been able to progress him anymore. Um, And now it looks like they're hoping to get Shaq Evans and uh, Kyron Moore back. But this is a rough stretch. Now they've got BC again. And then back the back-to-back back back with Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Well, they play, Win- they play Winnipeg three times in September. Yeah, and then Edmonton after the back-to-back. Whew. And then Winnipeg again. <laughs> when this is all said and done, they could still only have four wins. Or five wins, sorry. Five? Five. Like, if the East doesn't get their crap together, I should say... The third place team in the East doesn't get the crap together, whoever that's going to be, and and you know at least tie to to, to stop the crossover. Yeah, Saskatchewan's going to be a playoff team, but they're not going to go anywhere. The Riders have twelve second half points in the last four home games, like total. Yeah, but that's coaching, isn't it? When, when I when, think so. When you can compete in the first half and look like you're in it. And then just take a dump on the field in the second half. Why are the other teams able to make the necessary adjustments and and you're not? On the offensive side of the ball, I think we know why. Uh, at the same time, like if Craig Dickinson isn't, you know, adjusting the game plan and stuff at halftime because the same stuff isn't going to always work. Even if it, even if you had a great first half, you still have to make adjustments. Because the defense is going to make those make adjustments too to counteract what you did in that first half. You have to come up with something different, and it just they don't seem and they don't seem to. And like you said, give more of the ball, and you choose some time and and get that run game established. It helps the O line get engaged into the game. Like they they're making they're initiating the contact, they're being the aggressors, and it just seems like they have no urgency 
no want to, to keep that ball on the ground. And I don't know if they get scared real quick because the six yard, the seven yard, the five yard carries aren't there right away. And so they abandon it right away. But it's it's getting to that time of year where you've got to start using it to wear defenses down. The Ryder defense did pick Nathan Rourke off twice, mm-hmm. but they weren't able to get any momentum out of that because of the two interceptions from their offense as well. So uh, that's why I thought that the defense, uh, they battled. I mean, when, when Derek Moncrief well, is covering Brian Burnham. And how could he have covered that any better? Like, <laughs> like I'm watching them. Like, he comes down that? And, and it was he, Moncrief. The like, ball falls into his arms like a baby. Yeah. One, well, arm, I for should the say. Record, for the record, shouldn't be throwing babies like a football. Yeah, no, that's um, probably but I mean, he, good advice. For for a linebacker, that's as good as you will ever see somebody cover Brian Burnham. Yeah. And he's probably in like the top 10% of defensive backs that would cover Brian Burnham. Yeah. Like so, with, with how he covered him on that pat, Like it was ridiculous. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to fault him for that. No. And then, and then getting burned by Lucky Whitehead at the end of the second half, the 90-yard touchdown. So Who hasn't been. I'm, yeah, that happens. So I, I thought overall that the, the defense really, they did show up mm-hmm. to battle, and they at least gave the rider offense opportunities, but they just couldn't I mean, do it. 28 points doesn't look that good on your defense, but you look at some of even just a <laughs> Against this offense, so you have to kind of take it because yeah, you do. Like, like the first drive, eight yard, eight plays, eighty-one yards yep. for BC. Like they, it's not quick, but those are big plays going down the field. Mm-hmm. And they somehow get it done. Like he, before he got hurt, work at three hundred seventy-five yards. How about that Rough Rider drive chart? I don't want to look at it. Punt, interception, interception, punt, field goal, punt, touchdown. And this is where it gets really ugly. <laughs> punt, 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 fumble, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, interception. End of the game. <laughs> is this 2003? I don't know what it is. This is. Like, is this. Or no, oh, was it 04? Hamilton went 1 and 17, beat the Riders, and everybody's <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> A rough night out for the green and white. But oh, the, they better just went home. Yeah. The, the story of the game, unfortunately, mm-hmm. is Nathan Rourke gets sacked in the second half and has to leave the game, and it looked bad. Uh, couldn't put any weight on it. He stayed on the bench, ice on the foot. We know today that it's an injury that's going to require surgery. It's a, it's a Liz Frank uh, sprain, right? And uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, leave me. I thought you would know, <laughs> but sometimes the top of my foot hurts. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I'm no doctor. I've read that this won't be weight bearing for at least a month and a half. Um, and maybe no athletic shoes for ten to twelve weeks. Yeah, Which the is, Lions are hopeful. Just at least they. <laughs> They they word it that they're hopeful he'll be back for this mm-hmm. season, but uh, the priority has to be to get him right. He's only twenty four years old. I I feel bad for the Lions. I feel bad for the CFL. The guys bringing in dynamite ratings, and it, he was somebody that the league can still build around. Now the good news is he's only twenty four, 
So his body will be very resilient still. So he, I have faith he'll be able to bounce back from this for his sake. I hope this doesn't affect other opportunities going forward because we know how good he was that he was going to get looks south of the border and he was going to have an opportunity to make a pile of cash. I hope he still has that opportunity and I hope he heals quickly. We'll see what happens going forward here, but uh, with wishing the best for Nathan Rourke, I mean, it was the best, best story of the season, man. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we were talking like I had texted or I, maybe I'd mentioned in the group chat about 400 yard consecutive 400 yard games. And it was Doug Flutie with four. He did and like, five in 93. Or five, yeah, in 93. And Work would and have like, had 400 again to be the yeah. first person to do it three times in a row for 29 years. I think Harris did it twice recently. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's how good Nathan Work was. Yeah. Man, he even added the, the rushing yards this time around as well. Yeah. Three uh, for 63. He averaged <laughs> 21 yards to carry. And the long was his longest was 33. So it's not yeah. like he had a 70 or a... 50 yard carry and then added two little ones. Right. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it affects his look or his, his prospects as much as maybe it'll just be one more year in the CFL. I think he's on the radar. Teams know about him. They might just want to see mm-hmm. more and, and make sure that he can come back from this injury. Now, if he comes back at the end of the year, I can play three, two or three games and, and, and a playoff game and looks great. That, that might be enough. Mm-hmm. If he's if he's healthy, I don't see why a team down south wouldn't take a serious, serious look. Yeah. It's, man, it's really too bad. Uh, the Lions are going to go forward with Michael O'Connor, who came into the game and had five completions on five passes for 36 yards. Now, he's going to know the system. Mm-hmm. He's still a Canadian guy. He played for UBC, won a Vanier Cup. So I really hope that the BC fans was that fifteen. I we think were in so. Winnipeg? Yeah, it was his last uh, last year playing college. I think won won that Vanier Cup. So O'Connor is going to he's going to be competent. He's not going yeah. to be. Well, at least I don't think so. He's well, he was part be. of the mentor program too, I believe, wasn't he? Yeah. So he's so, he's been around the league. Yeah. He's not going to throw for 488 yards. At least I don't think so. Because you know what? We, we didn't think we were going to see this with Rourke at the beginning of the year. We thought that the Lions were crazy. Well, some people thought that the Lions were crazy <laughs> going into this season with, with the quarterback situation. Clearly, they saw something, and I, I think the the work that Rourke puts in off the field to be as good as yeah. he is will be the same amount of work he puts in to recover and this. rehab. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, so, like, look, I, I don't think trading quarterbacks, I don't think it really works, and who's available? Vernon uh, Adams. Well, that's the only thing. Uh, if, you read the, if you read the notes... That were left on a table. <laughs> he might be available. Um, but I, I think some people see, well, Calgary going to trade Bo Mitchell to be, well, they're not going to help BC. <laughs> they're not going to do that one bit. No. But not uh, in season. 
it, it's a little bit different than uh, trading for a hockey player. You know, yeah. the quarterback uh, O'Connor has been there. He knows the system, and he's definitely got the receivers to help him. So that will uh, yeah. <laughs> that'll be a plus for him going forward. And I wanted to bring this up before you got to Rourke and the injury, but I'll bring it up now. Garrett Marino plays two games. Starters go down in both games. Even though he had nothing, well, we it should be fair. He had nothing to do with he wasn't the injury. On, yeah, he, he, was, he had nothing to do. I'm just saying. But, he also took he, – he tried to take a cheap shot and did. did take a cheap shot. Like, the guy does not get it. No. It, it's it's what he is. And Family-friendly. <laughs> the, the BC Lions, they were trying to aggravate him at the end of the game. As you should, but it shouldn't be at the end of the game. I said this to you. It's like in hockey, you're skating the red line at warm up. You're not even warming up. And maybe just cross the center line. See if you can get somebody going. Get and that's why the dub used to not have warm ups with mm. both teams on the ice. <laughs> they used to have to warm up separately because it was a jungle. It was a gong show. Like you want to get you want you want Marino to do something stupid. You got to start and warm up and get him going because it's going to happen. Sooner or well, later. Now we're going back to back. We'll see yeah. what the Lions do regarding that mm-hmm. uh, coming up on Friday. And on that note, we'll see what the Bombers do back to back because <laughs> those games probably are go get two ugly. and zero. <laughs> yeah, other than winning, other yeah. than well, you know, I think it, the Bombers, Labor Day is a different animal, though. Yeah, let's they, be honest. They play they play smart football, so I don't know if they'll sink to Marino's level, but I think they'll take care that of him. Takes a lot. Way. Yeah, <laughs> the Titanic isn't even there. <laughs> Gary Stern guaranteed it, and the Montreal Alouettes did it. Probably not the way he envisioned it happening, but the Owls beat the Ticats twenty nine twenty eight. First drive of the game, Al's are driving. Harris is picked off on the goal line, and it's like here we go again. Yeah, with the Alouettes. Oh, I got the penalties here. The Alouettes, <laughs> thirteen for a hundred and seventy-six yards. The tie, the tie Cats had one hundred and twenty-five yards themselves, so there were over three hundred penalty yards in this game. There's 301. Let's not. Like, you're making it sound like there's like 380 yards. <laughs> oh, I know you know the answer. And I just looked at the stat sheet because I was working for this game. I'll give you one guess. If you didn't know who the head official was, oh, and you saw 301 penalty yards, I think like we could probably leave guess. it at that. I think we probably one leave guess, it at that. and it's not. He's not French. Yep. Not it's not the goat Andre. <laughs> you know, after watching Montreal play Winnipeg over the past couple of weeks and the pressure they were mm-hmm. able to put on Zach Kolaris, I thought that they would be able to do the same thing to Hamilton and Matt Schiltz. But no, I, th- they got zero pressure on him, and Schiltz was moving the ball well. Yeah, and I'm wondering if he's their guy, even when Dane's healthy. Whoa. Um, are we saying that? Well, what, do you, what, what did Dane sign? Two? Two years? Well, and that's the thing. The investment. Right. They definitely chose Dane yeah. Evans over Jeremiah Masoli. They didn't choose, choose uh, Matt Schiltz over Jeremiah oh. Masoli, but 
Um, I, I see where you're coming from, though. Like this offense is more than competent right now. Twenty-seven better than it was with Dane. It is twenty-seven of thirty-nine. 303 yards, the completion percentage, 69.2. Nice. Two touchdowns. Round down, round down. <laughs> and he had no turnovers, and that yeah. is the most important yeah. part. Well, he, he he did fumble the ball, um, but they got it back. They, they yeah. ended up recovering that one. So they didn't turn over the ball, and that's been the big problem with uh, Dane Evans. Yeah, and, I mean, just it seemed nothing – he could get nothing going. Like that offense just seemed spinning their tires all Especially the time. Especially in the right? second half. Like, right. Wow. And just they come out and be a totally different team and just piss away leads. Defense would be on the field for too long. It'd be brutal. Schultz comes in, bit of a different quarterback than Dane. And things just seem to work. I don't know if it's just kind of like, you know, he's playing with house money. So we can take those chances and, and make the and, you know thread in a tight areas. Like he's like, I'm not like when Dane comes back, I'm not going to get the job. So you know, do what I can now and and just throw the ball where you shouldn't and hope for the best and and move this ball down the field as 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 best you can and in any way possible. That's what they're doing right now and making it work. They don't get the win, but I think something has happened in Hamilton since Dane went down. I'm not saying that it's Dane's fault, but. I don't know if it was just a change. I don't know if Dane had just been there for so long and that offense has been together for so long that maybe just a, a new voice in the huddle. I, I don't know. Montreal, uh, in the first half, they had the big Geno Lewis touchdown, Geno Lewis on the two-point conversion, and uh, they end up being up 18-11 in the third quarter after that 54-yard touchdown to Kayon Julian Grant. Hamilton's helping him out a little bit. They had three offsides in one drive. <laughs> At least they weren't on the goal line. At least they weren't on the goal line. Speaking of offsides, in the Ottawa game, they took it away. Oh, After yeah. a review, and A.J. Jackiebeck was not impressed. <laughs> now, after the touchdown to go up 18-11... They hit the punter for a roughing the kicker penalty. Then they take a P.I. in the end zone. So Jamie Newman ties it up. Montreal had two, two roughing the kicker penalties. So next drive, Schiltz hits Tim White for a 64-yard touchdown. All of a sudden, it's 25-18 Hamilton. After that roughing the kicker penalty, it was not looking good for, for the Owls. And things just... Took a turn with about two minutes left. Hamilton has to punt it from deep in their own zone. Harris hits Reggie White Jr. for a big 48-yard touchdown. And then that's when things get exciting again. <laughs> Look at the stat sheet and under head referee, it's about this big. It'll tell you why. Hey, I don't have the talent to, to edit in between there, but... Can you read you, lips? I thought you were doing in vogue. <laughs> Maybe we should keep this an audio podcast. <laughs> Keeping the mustache either way. Yes. Yes. That's a positive. Uh, Montreal stops Hamilton in third down, but there's the horse collar penalty. 
And there was one of these called in the Saskatchewan game as well on Fajardo. And they're calling it tight this year. When I was watching Well, you it, don't have to, I read the rule book. You don't have to be inside the jersey or inside the pads. Basically name bar tug and the if, flag if comes out. If you pull on the jersey and they figure it's too high on the jersey, flag. Because if I'm pulling a guy backwards by his jersey, you can, it can still pull the same way as if I'm pulling you down by your shoulder pads. So, I mean, you got to eliminate it somewhere. I mean, I don't think they're going to call if you're pulling the bottom of the jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on to a guy. But I get the Fajardo one. This one I don't understand at all. Yeah. Especially when they tug it and the guy let go, and then he kind of just tackled him forward, you know? Yeah, but, it's like Gretzky getting hooked and just throwing his legs up in the air trying to get a call yeah. and just embarrassing the referee. I guess it's, I guess it's taken away the black and white. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Hamilton takes the lead, twenty-eight, twenty-six, thirty-seven seconds to go. Harris engineers the game-winning field goal drive. David Cote, the walk-off David. field goal. David Cote, the walk-off field goal, and the Alouettes win twenty-nine, twenty-six. One note: I hope that Tyson Philpot is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets knocked out cold. It was just a kind of a freak accident. So hoping the best for him. And as for the Alouettes, it's their biggest home crowd since 2017. That was exactly what I was going to bring up. They're on by now. Ottawa's coming to town. Hey, uh, Gary Stern. while the sun shines. It might be guaranteed win night in Montreal. Like there have been several so far this year. <laughs> But they got an opportunity, I think, to build on this momentum. Coming off wins against Hamilton and Winnipeg. Now they got another home game. The horns are blowing in Montreal, and they're going to keep blowing at the next one, I think. Yeah, this is the bye week. You can say it kills momentum or whatever, but this team knows what it's capable of. Like, you know, 37 seconds to go and they get the game-winning drive, kick a field goal to win the game. Trevor Harris gets a little bit of confidence in it. Uh, 21,024 people officially on the attendance sheet. Like, that's crazy for Montreal. It just feels so foreign to see that number on an attendance. Well, it used to be a regular thing when AC was there. Yeah. Well, but yeah, but I, I mean, since. like It's, it's been a quarterback been, graveyard, so you can't yeah. really blame the fans. <laughs> right. They, but they have this week off. Get ready for Ottawa. You got two weeks. If you let Ottawa come in and win. I mean, you're, no. you're starting over <laughs> after two weeks, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you look at teams like Calgary off a bye, Winnipeg off a bye. You those they don't lose those games. Their winning percentage is in the nineties. Those games you have to win off a bye at home, and Ottawa coming in that you got to win that game by two scores. So. Coaching candidates for the Montreal Alouettes in 2023. Here's a name I'm seeing floating around. And uh, he calls offensive plays in the Queen City. Saskatchewan, yes. Take him. Take him now. You can just have him. We'll pay you. It's going to go fund me to pay the Alouettes. Take him now. Machocha and Moss go way back, don't they? Yeah. But, Are the Alouettes the best team in the East? Oh man, they're four and six. Mm-hmm. The Argos are four and five. I mean, they might be. They might be. <laughs> like, 
we've said we said that four years ago and it wasn't true. We're that's just, true. We're just wrong. We're just a, <laughs> it was a little early. <laughs> yeah, Had that's to it. Build it up. That's it. Although I'd rather be a year late than a year early. No, I think I'd rather be early. Yeah. Same year, same time. <laughs> the second half of the Saturday doubleheader, the Calgary Stampeders go to BMO Field and beat the Argos 22-19. And if you want to talk poor quarterback play, watch this one. It was a clinic. When it comes to poor quarterback play, but like, it started watching well. me play Kaiser. You <laughs> want to learn st- how not to play? Watch this guy. <laughs> Another team that suddenly has got some decisions to make at quarterback are the Calgary Stampeders. A few weeks ago, I'm thinking that's something that I wouldn't have to say, but the, <laughs> the, I mean, the, those rumors have been around for a couple years now. I guess. And yeah. Bo keeps getting hurt and stuff mm-hmm. like that keeps coming up. But at some point, Bo is not going to be there. And can you do what BC did with Rourke last year? Do you have that opportunity? Because if you do, you have to take it. But I mean, that was in that was that was injury and all that stuff. Yeah, we've seen Jake start. He started a couple games last year. If he can get reps this year, like there has to be a succession plan. You don't want to just go in with no with nothing. But Jake's there. We've seen it. The succession plan is probably in motion. Bo hit Sean Bain for an 80-yard touchdown to start the game, and then after that, it was nothing. And, yeah. and the fact that the Argos weren't able to capitalize on what Calgary was giving them, they have to be upset about that too. Two first-half interceptions from Bo Levi Mitchell. Then there was the Phil Pot fumble, but the Calgary defense limited the damage, and the Calgary defense ended up winning Calgary the game. Mm-hmm. Because in the second well, half, you talk about you talk about not Toronto not taking advantage of what Calgary gave them. Toronto's average starting position was their own forty-one. Wow, just gifts all game long. Like they started, they started a drive at the Calgary forty-four, got a field goal. The Calgary forty-six got a field goal. Calgary forty-four got a field goal. <laughs> So Jake Mayer ended up starting the second half for Calgary, but it wasn't pretty there either, Ty. Jake ends up, uh, and I know he didn't get the week of reps. I know that, but I guess he had a way better completion percentage, 14 of 18 for 156 mm-hmm. yards and an interception. Um, but but Bo, man, he wasn't able to complete passes to the running backs. He wasn't able to complete them anywhere. It's just the sync with, and we thought that he had the chemistry with Reggie Bagleton and Kamar Jordan, who had better games this week. But Bowen, those two guys that are game changers in Calgary have not been able to to sync up like we've seen in the past. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't think that it's, well, it could be. Like injury, something's going on. Like these guys, like fifty-five and fifty-seven yards for Bagleton and Jordan. No touchdowns. Bo didn't throw a touchdown. He threw two picks. These games are going to happen. But this year with Bo, nobody's surprised. It feels like. I'm not saying that it's old news or you know we're expecting this, but it's just happened a couple times where Bo hasn't been Bo. Calgary hasn't been Calgary. 
and now everybody's it's just okay. Like I think they got they, they're moving on, and everybody just kind of brushes it off. Yeah, eventually Bo's going to be gone. Might be sooner than we think. And when you brought up quarterbacks and and who's going to be next, it's like I think we know the Argos are cutting McLeod Bethel Thompson in the off season and resigning him two weeks before camp. <laughs> And then right? he'll be the starter by like week six or something. Yeah, <laughs> but with with Calgary, like we, we touched on it, but they've got a decision to make. Well, what what is next year going to look like? And I know that you, you don't really, you can't really do that now. You're in a playoff spot. You have a chance to make that run. But if games keep going like this, Jake has to come in earlier. Yes, they won this game, but. Oh, if they're playing a better offense, they they don't have a choice. Can't do that against BC. Well, you might be able to now with work out. Yeah, against Winnipeg, not doing that. But they play Winnipeg this week, and again, another one of those things of the schedule where the team playing the last game of the week on the road is on the road Thursday night against the team coming off the bye. It's like just chalk it down as a W and let us lick our wounds. Or so, chalk it down as an L, I guess, like a W for for Winnipeg. Like, what happened to player safety? What, where, like, what is the point of the schedule? Like, you, the schedule this year has been awful. It is the worst schedule in sports. The worst. Like, how many teams have three three of four or four of five against the same team? It's boring. I get that COVID you had to, and this kind of helps with costs, maybe, but. You're not even seeing every team once in your own building. And then you have the, we've seen it lots in the past couple of years, Saturday night, the late game Saturday, at least this game was afternoon. But like, you know, you're playing West Coast. Hamilton comes to BC, plays BC and BC. And I think they were the Thursday night or that week, the next week. Like, what are we doing? Like guys are getting, guys are getting home at 5 a.m. Sunday morning. If you're no, it'd be later than that, or they fly home Sunday and stay in BC. They get three days to do some walkthroughs and try to get some treatment. Then you're playing again Thursday. Come on, they did a Thursday nighter in in Ottawa. I wouldn't call the schedule boring. Um, I'd rather see Toronto and Hamilton play more. I'd rather see Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary play more. But on that note, I don't know if it's necessary to have Saskatchewan, Montreal back to back, Saskatchewan, Toronto back to back. Well, yeah, like, I mean, Winnipeg, Labor Day, I get that stuff. Yes, absolutely. But like, what? Well, yeah, what do we need? What do we need Montreal back to back for? Yeah, it just doesn't make any one sense. One in the like, fall, yes. one in the summer, or... but and like yeah, division games should mean more. You should play your division more, but we don't need to cram them all together. No, no, right? Like if everything's just back to back, it's like well, okay, well, like, uh, whatever happens this week, we're gonna have to pay for next week. Somebody does something stupid, like yeah. just, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, yeah. Too much of a good thing isn't a good thing. So for Jake Mayer, I mean, and the stamps. That's it. It's a short week going to Winnipeg. So what's better? Like one day of practice for Jake Mayer, who... One day, if you're lucky, you get one day. Or you go bow again and then just keep the leash shorter. Is it a quarter? You give him a quarter, and if he's not doing well, you put Jake in. Do you give Jake... Do you just give Jake more reps because Bo should have his reps? Maybe. 
And then whatever you're going to install for game plan, I mean, Bo obviously gets in on that, but I don't know what to do. Like, And here's the question, like for... And the money he's making, too, is affecting everything else. Yeah. That can't be... And, and you know, you make that argument with Bo and, and Mike O'Reilly the last couple of years, well, who's the highest paid player now on the best team? Yeah. Like it's working for make Winnipeg. it work. Some things make it work. <laughs> but the... And then the question is, and and I know hockey's different because they play eighty two games. Mm-hmm. If if a goalie's going through a rough patch and they take him out, and and now I know that tandem goaltender pairs are more common now, but sixty is a lot. Yeah, for a goalie it, to play now, it's not like a goalie takes it. Well, maybe they do, but it's not an I'll insult on a goalie to give him a break for a game. So, but when it comes to football, and I know you're playing a fraction of the games, if you sit down a guy, it feels like an insult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so if they do sit down Jake, you, you can't pay Bo the amount he's getting paid to hold a clipboard. And he looks like he doesn't want to do that. And I know there was a report mm-hmm. after the game where Bo gave Jake the game ball. So that was a classy gesture. But. Bo gets it. Yeah. Bo totally gets stuff like that. Like, I think he's a great teammate. He wants to like, win. I've seen, More than anything. He wants to win. wants to win for sure. And I think last week when, you know, he just said, he kind of called out everybody. Like, where he didn't really take it. Like, you, know, you see some guys like, oh, losses on me, yada, yada, yada. He said the whole team was kind of. But, you know what I mean? Like, that you don't see all the time. So when he's, when he does that, it's like, okay, maybe he's got a point. Because it's not like he's doing that all the time. Yeah. And I, and I haven't heard anything. We haven't heard any rumors coming out of Calgary about stuff where he's, you know, a bad teammate, bad in the room or anything like that. Guy wants to win. Guys want to play for guys that want to win, play with guys that want to win. If it gets to the point where they're not winning and Jake Mayer wins a game or two, Got to make those tough decisions. You have to, and and yeah, do you want do you want to pay him to hold the clipboard? No, but if it's your best opportunity to win football games, what's the difference if he plays, and and Jake is on the is holding the clipboard, or Jake yeah. wins and Bo holds the clipboard? You're paying the same money. Doesn't matter. Tough decisions have to be made, and yeah, ego's got to be left at the door. No Kadeem Carey for the Calgary Stampeders. Diedrich Mills has another, well, decent game. Uh, 11 carries, 48 yards. So average, you want at least four yards of carry, I would say. Uh, Peyton Logan only gets two carries, but one of them was a 29-yard touchdown in the first half. That was a big play for the Stampeders about all that the offense did. Um, in the second half, the Argos had a nine-point lead. Eli Buka picks off Macbeth, takes it to the house. He also had a fumble recovery earlier in the game on an A.J. Olet fumble. So that was a big night for mm-hmm. for Buka, the former Saskatchewan Rough Rider. And the Argos also had an opportunity with three minutes left to tie the game after Mayer threw an interception in the end zone to Deshaun Amos, former Calgary Stampeder. Well, Famous Amos. The, the Argo offense couldn't get it done. They couldn't get into field goal range. Sean Lemon has the sack and the fumble with the Cam Judge recovery to end this, the game. This might be the year Lemon doesn't get traded. <laughs> it might just be. Yeah. It might just be. A.J. Olette, I thought 
he had a better game than that. <laughs> 92 yards receiving. But I, okay, so I, I but guess one of it them was, was 80 yards. I guess or it was no, the receiving. Yards, yeah, sorry. It was the receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it appeared that he was a big factor in the game, and I guess he was. He only had six carries for 18 yards, but yeah, the seven catches. Eight targets, seven catches. Yeah, yeah so that's why he was a bit of a fantasy monster at running back. Mm-hmm. But Javon Leak. Well, and, and they were throwing him the ball, too. He had two catches, 17 yards, uh, nine yards on three carries. So the the yards per carry, not pretty for the Argos. It was uh, it was nice for Chad Kelly, who had seven yards a carry. He had a 21-yard run. Yeah. I wonder if that is a conversation in Toronto now. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, 27 of 43, 276, and an interception. Calgary defense is not an easy defense to play against. I, mm-hmm. I think we know that. But are the Argos going to be a team that's going to want to make a move at quarterback eventually too? I know he's a newcomer to the team, and he comes with a little bit of hype because of his last name. And what he's are they going to do, make it to four Grey Cups and lose them all? <laughs> <laughs> that's Calgary's job, but they are Calgary East. <laughs> they are Calgary East, so maybe Sorry, that would fit straight. in Toronto. Four straight. <laughs> Wow, you went there. <laughs> Holy. So, look, I, I know he's got the last name, but maybe mm-hmm. Toronto just needs a more mobile quarterback because Macbeth, once he's under pressure, he just. Yeah. Kinda... And, that, and, that, and even when he's not, he can still make some real bad decisions. Well, and some of them were just terrible. Like yeah. on the broadcast, I know Dunnigan's a former quarterback. He was just ripping into both guys. And I have no problem with that. The guy played I, the position. He's a yep. he is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He holds the record for passing yards in a football game. Seven hundred and thirteen in a game yeah. that wasn't even on TV. That's which is ridiculous. You can't it even is. find a stat sheet for it, man. That's insane. Hey, like we might have to like, send an email because I want I want to get fantasy numbers from that again. It's like we're Just talking about a game from the forties, but no, it was right? the nineties. Like clear the track. Here comes Eddie Jack. Nobody saw it. <laughs> Nobody saw it. It's just yeah. word of mouth. Yeah. It, in 20 years, it'll be like a 900-yard game as the exaggerate. Yeah. It's like a fishing like story. Fish. Hey, yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is kind of like the beginning of Happy Gilmore <laughs> when his girlfriend yells at him. She's like, you're not any good. <laughs> and then walks out. You know, I see like, those fingerprints you bring home, and you know what? They suck. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I got to listen to Exile. Oh. <laughs> okay. Jerry. Uh, I talk about the CFL Podcast Fantasy League this week, but we oh. both got demolished. Well, I didn't check depth charts after I, I did the old Ronco, set it and forget it. Anderson didn't play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Butler came uh, back, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I went with the old, the old Nathan Rourke, and uh, look, that 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 was my best moment of the night. The Owls defense getting me nothing. Uh, <laughs> Keon yeah. Hatcher having two catches. Nate Bahar having one catch. Like it was, it was ugly. So I got crushed by Adam from the Canadian Football Countdown. You got crushed by Andrew from the Turf District. But week 11 fantasy leaders, who were they, Ty? 
Can can I talk about my lineup real quick? Because it sure. was good. Because uh, I, I I beat you by like two points. Yeah. So I right. <laughs> oh Javon Katoy's cheap. Big game last week. Six point three. Uh <laughs> Kai Loxley, because you might as well use him in, in in any position other than quarterback or go with him for quarterback and, and load up everywhere else. And then yeah, the Montreal defense, nothing. Like just a absolute crap week. <laughs> And I don't even know what to do anymore. But weekly leader, uh, quarterbacks, Trevor Harris, 26. Nathan Work was still second at 25.3. Uh, Matthew Schiltz, 22.2. Taylor Cornelius, uh, 21, uh, was fourth. And that Caleb Evans, fifth, didn't even crack 20 points. Like it wasn't, wasn't a great week for quarterbacks. Yeah. But I mean, nobody pulled away. It, nobody had that 35, 40 point week. Uh, Tim White was your leading receiver, 32.3. Lucky Whitehead, Justin McInnes, Eugene Lewis, and Kenny the King uh, added that touchdown. Uh, one of those touchdowns that uh, Trump or Edmonton scored there in their first three drives. Uh, absolute crapshoot at running back. Mills, 14.5. Lee Trey, 14.5. Peyton Logan, 11.4. Olat, 11.3. Jackson and Morrow, 10.2. And then Devontae Williams in seventh at seven point five. Like nobody, like stop spending money on these guys. Yeah, this has been the year of picking the cheapest running backs that yeah. you can, and hopefully they get in and vulture a touchdown. Speaking of vulturing touchdowns, Antonio Pipkin robbed us of a bigger night from Nathan yeah. Rourke. He would have led the. He would have led the week. Damn. Hey, now I got AJ Ouellette at 18 points in my lineup. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the numbers never lie, though, Travis. They never lie. They never okay. lie. Okay. <laughs> oh, I have him as not playing. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, do, don't do you trust have... any of these numbers. Okay. So there you go. We're taking oh, a... I know what happened. It was the last game. I got oh. Calgary, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'll go back and fix that. Okay, so we're taking a break from the pod a little bit here. Um, do you have the season-long leaders until we come back around you, Labor Day? Do you want to pull the, the curtain back on this one, or do we just leave it? What do you mean? You asked me this two minutes before we hit record. And you got it. Yeah, but still. Well, you throw me under the bus when I prepared for it. Okay. Uh, Quarterback. Let me make sure that I get, because I went and looked at Olat. Well, we know it's Nathan Rourke. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that is pretty obvious. The question is, will anyone catch him? No. Actually, well, yeah, because now he's, yeah. Um, So we go quarterbacks. Nathan Rourke. 284.2 284.2 points. Whoa. Second, second place, any guess? Uh, well, who actually, I don't know. Is it is it Kolaris? Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. 159.1. I would have laughed if it was like a Dom Davis or something. <laughs> Just rushing touchdowns. Dom Davis is top 10. Wow. <laughs> um, Cody Fajardo at 141.8. MBT, the law firm, at 131.3. Trevor Harris at 126.7. And Dane has uh, 120.1 still. All right, who are the running backs? Because this is an interesting one. This is interesting. So Jamal Morrow right now at 150. 
James Butler at 125. Brady Oliveira at 104 is in third. And then Kadeem Carey, who's actually missed time, is still in yeah. fourth at 101.5. And Andrew Harris is fifth at 92. Okay, wide receivers. I know it's got to be Dominic Rimes on pace to be the first receiver to score over 20 touchdowns since Milt Stiegel 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, he's got 186. Eugene Lewis at 156.9. Right behind him by .1, Dalton Schoen. Wow, the rookie. Those, those touchdowns are are making a huge difference. And Kenny the King at 153.3 and rounding out Top five is Lucky Whitehead at 152.3. All right. There you go. At ATB, we make banking work for you with expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth. You can be confident that you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit atb.com. All right, there's week 11 of the CFL season. It has been wild. This Thursday, my conversation with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. Look forward to hearing and watching that. You can subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. Uh, What do the kids say? Like and subscribe? I don't know, something like that. I thought, I thought we were still on Yeet. I... <laughs> Can you follow us on MySpace? Hey, Tom. <laughs> and yeah, you can... I'll, give you, I'll send you my LinkedIn profile. God, <laughs> get away from me. You can also rate, review, and subscribe to Tune Out on your favorite podcatcher, whether it's Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, on the Two and Out CFL podcast. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.